Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Am I excited for the show today, Pat? How about you? Uh, Well, if uh, my my computer would decide to stop having some technical difficulties, uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, and you... You seem a little more chipper than than usual. Well, if um, only because um, I was getting close to the weekend and I get to go and see my in-laws. Normally, that's not a chipper moment for most guys, but um, my, my in-laws are fantastically fun. So um, I get to go see them. And then more importantly, Pat, um, after an hour of struggling to get the show to record, we're actually recording the show. Uh, right. So uh, with that being said, uh, we're happy to be alongside you today. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. You can find me at The Coppins Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Getter. Pat, you can be found at The Pat Oni Show on all of those except for Getter, and that's fine because I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do or just don't have time for. I'm I'm, I'm in debate with it at the moment. I'm not saying I'm not going to get it. I'm just in debate with myself over it. Which is perfectly normal natural thing to be in debate over so that having been said today on the show is obviously uncomfortable truths on a thursday so we're going to do that in the second half of the show and in the first half we're going to continue the discussion amongst the four main areas if you will yesterday it was economics and foreign policy today we're going to tackle immigration and crime because i think when you if you put if you put the issues that voters care about into buckets, right? I think these are the four buckets that matter the most. What about you? Uh, no, I, I would say that's probably the gist of it. Okay, so having said that, um, we're going to talk those things today, but we, we're not going to talk the policy, right? We talked the principles. We talked 
free markets, free association. We talked free people when it comes to um, to immigration as the principle. And then we talked about justice and mercy or um, restitution and reform, right? I think those are interchangeable. Um, you can use whichever term you want because for me, they kind of mean the same thing. Right. Um, justice is restitution. Mercy is reform. And um, so that those are the principles. And what we're going to be doing today, like we did yesterday, is is answer the the big questions, Pat. And the in the big questions being, you know, how do we get from our principles, or how do we get to our principles from where we are today? Right? How do we go from today to where our principles can matter? And then next week on Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to be talking about the actual policies that we should be supporting because we have to lay the foundation. You have to know what the principles are. You have to know how to have the fight. And then you have to know how to put forth. Once you have that fight, once you win that fight, okay, so what are we going to do policy-wise? And we have made the argument that for economics, Right. The the biggest thing is the 50 incubators that exist in the United States of America, known as states. We we can see what people prefer by where they move to, how they vote, um, what policies they prefer. Right? We we can see that and what fights happen throughout the country. And more importantly, just because somebody prefers a policy, does it actually work? And I think, you know, that's what we talked about with economics and, and with foreign policy. How do we get to our principled idea of free association from where we are today? And that's, you know, let's talk about where immigration breaks down and what those principles look like on paper. And then what policies get us there? So we're going to talk about all of those things next week on Wednesday and Thursday. But Pat, it's time to let the cat out of the bag, I think. There's well, a what 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 cat is that exactly? Um is it a cool cat? Yeah, it's something about do what you believe. Oh. Or you won't be free to do it much longer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and and we have dropped that hint a few times throughout this week. So Pat, why don't you let that cat out of the bag as to what is going to happen? in our uh, first show next week, because um, next Monday I will not be available. I will still be traveling. Um, so Pat will be flying solo uh, next Monday. Yep, and it'll be a party. So it's always a party without Andrew Coppins. You know, buzzkill and everything. Buzz Killington? <laughs> All right, so next Tuesday, folks, you do not want to miss this show. Next Tuesday, in the second half of the show, we are going to be having Steve Dace from the Steve Dace Show um, on to talk about his new book, Do What You Believe, and um, we will we will have some fun with him. We'll, we'll play the B or not to be with him. Um, we'll talk to him about his book, um, it, and it'll be fun. It'll be a fun, fun interview. I'm actually very excited for this. This is probably our biggest guest to date yeah michael knowles probably. and him yeah yeah I, like like michael knowles and him are probably a 
pretty close to the same level, I would say. <clears throat> yeah, and I would say Steve is actually getting bigger. Yeah, I, I would argue that as well. So. But uh, but we are excited because, you know, for me, it it's always good to interview fellow travelers. And, and what do I mean by that? Fellow travelers in Liberty, fellow travelers in, my God, we have spent the last two years battling data, battling the science, battling Fauci, all those things. He's also the author of the uh, Fauci and Bargain. And Which um, we, if you remember, we actually uh, interviewed his co-host when Fauci and Bargain came out, Todd Erzin, back in, what, April of last year? Uh, April, May, somewhere around there, I think. So, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So we... So I'm excited because this is an individual who's not like-minded because I think we would differ. I'm much more libertarian than he is in in policy ideas and things like that. But um, I, I think the two of us are fellow travelers when it comes to seeking truth. And it's going to be fun yeah. to to really hone in on some of the, the ideas and concepts. And um, I think the two of us are ideas guys and also – um, how do we exercise those ideas? So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have him for the full half hour to the end of next Tuesday's program. So we're excited by that. Um, now, so we'll, we'll be punted with, with everything we've got going on. We we may punt on the truth or fiction stuff. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe we'll play a couple of truth or fictions with him. Um, and then get into the book. I think that might be kind of how we do it, but we're still figuring that out. But again, next Tuesday, Steve Dace will join us right here on the program. So uh, set your calendars. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Subscribe to our Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Um, Steve will join us um, with video and everything. So we're going to be excited by uh, having him on and uh, diving into do what you believe or you won't be able to do it for much longer or you won't be free to do it for much longer. Um, we're we're going to dive into that concept and some other things as well. So I'm uh, excited by that. But speaking of diving in, let's go ahead and dive in to answering how do we get to our principles from where we are today on immigration? And I think immigration is an interesting um, topic when it, when we want to look at this question, right? Because I could make an argument that both the left and the libertarian movement are more closely associated um, in how they would see immigration today. You're probably right. Um, and this, this this might be the one where you and I might differ a little bit because you are more libertarian than I am. Well, I mean, we, we have flat out said that before. Yep. Um, granted I have become much more libertarian over the years myself, but I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself to be where you are. Um, that yeah, being, and, and yeah. I want to preface this by saying, I don't necessarily support open borders, right? In so much as anybody can come at any point in time and become a citizen. And, and right. that I think is the distinction that matters in this, in this debate. Okay. Um, with the left, because the left firmly believes, Pat, what? That we need to open our borders. Anybody can come in here at any point in time and become an actual citizen of the United States of America. Which is no for me. That's a solid no. And, and 
the kind of I, I've always likened this to my country is like my house. I have the right to know who's coming into my house at all times. Um, that being said, if someone's going to come and live in my house, I also expect there to be a stake in the game for that person. So they can't just come and live there for the sake of living there. They have to contribute something to my household and provide something of value to me for me to even consider it. Okay. Because I have the right to say new. Now I understand there's some nuanced differences when it comes from personal house to country, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I also, like you, believe there needs to be some serious reform on the government level of how immigration ought to work in this country. Um, and if I we look at this, we talked about this the other day. We, we laid out the idea of when it comes to immigration, we're talking about a free people. That does not necessarily mean open borders, by the way, folks. I, I know that that's what that kind of sounds like, but it's not. Um, and then I, I thought about this more yesterday, and I think immigration and foreign policy a lot of times kind of go hand in hand with each other in terms of freedom of association. We should have the freedom to associate with whoever we want, whenever we want. It goes the same thing with immigrants as well. They should have the ability to associate with whoever they want and whoever aligns with their interests. So it doesn't necessarily always mean it's going to be us at the end of the day in terms of the country they want to immigrate to. Um, they have values and principles of their own, and they, they, they should go, if they're going to immigrate from their own country for whatever reason, go where that's going to be best in line with, with those things. That being said, you know, freedom of association and a free people, I think, go hand in hand here to where you are able to choose who you want to associate with and you should also be able to um, freely do it. And also, I would even say the other part, other side of this is, what are you going to be able to contribute to that country that you are wanting to move to? Because I think you have to have a stake in the game. Right. I had mentioned this concept of, you know, give us your poor, your hungry, your huddled mm-hmm. masses yearning to be free. And how that gets misrepresented, right? Because they don't read the rest of the poem ever. They just assume that this means it, that this means give us all of your people. No, what the poem again means is that we're going to take in your refuge. You know, we're going to take in the dredges of your society, quote unquote. And those dredges of society are going to shine here. You know, how many times do we see the story of or hear the story of somebody with five dollars in their pocket when they come to America and they build a successful business or, you know, they they run a grocery store or, you know, they they define their own success here in America compared to where they came from. Right. Right. How many times do we see that? But that's because of the American system. Right. So. Right. Uh, it, it's, I, I it's want to belabor that the rest of the world, right? To, right? to be able to take them in and, and make them the, make them the, some of the best people in the world. Yeah, it's absolutely a middle finger to the rest of the world, and that's mm-hmm. what that poem actually is. That poem that you see on the base of the Statue of Liberty. It is not. People have no clue most of the time what the history of the Statue of Liberty is, other than it was a gift from France. 
Right. And that's only part of the story of the Statue of Liberty's creation to begin with. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the point I'm making with all of this is that right now, ask you ask yourself this. Where are we right now when it comes to immigration? I argue our system is completely and totally broken. And we look at the the southern border, right, with all right. the illegal crossings. We look at the overstays of the visas. We look at um, people even crossing over from Canada, right? And we look at people coming here for vacation and staying, okay? I'm not saying you can 100% solve these things, right? I, 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 don't, I don't believe that you can. But I also don't yeah. believe the answer to all of that is open the floodgates, Right. I don't believe right. necessarily in open borders. What I do believe in is you, the line, and, and I used this the other day, make legal immigration great again. And what do I mean by that? That's a slogan, right? And it can help inform the principles and the policies. But right now, legal immigration is at the bottom of the totem pole of how to get here. Yeah, it absolutely and, and, is. And the, it the people, shouldn't be. Well, because the people that do it legally, they're often waiting years Decades. to actually immigrate here legally. We So how do we get to the principle of a free people? People being free to come to America in an orderly fashion. How do we do that? We have to have the fight of legal immigration is the important part of all of this. Can we agree that there needs to be a system that allows people to legally immigrate easily to America? And that is quick vetting. That is, you know, all of the things. And can we agree that there's going to be some risk in that? Yes. Okay. The other aspect of this is we have to have a conversation about the magnets that we have for illegal immigration into the United States of America. For instance, look at the abuse of the anchor child situation. And I'm not talking about anchor babies because I believe if you are born here, great. Um, you should become, you should have the, the rights of citizenship, right? But Pat, what I'm actually talking about here is the situation in which if you are a child, right, and you get over the border, you become an anchor for the rest of your family to be able to come here. We we see um, the the family separation policy, right? We, all the all the policy things. What we have to agree upon here is that we have to find what's broken in the immigration system and fix it. We have to agree upon that right now the what is what is going on in our immigration system doesn't work. And it doesn't work because we have an immigration system that is stuck in 1920 thought processes, right? We live in a global economy. We live in a remote economy. We live in a world that is vastly different than the one that created the apparatuses and created the thoughts and principles and policies around immigration. 
And we hinted at this with the free markets, the free association. So in order to get to the free people, you have to have that free market. You have to have that free association because once you have those two things, the third piece of the puzzle, the puzzle or the piece of the puzzle that might matter for an Apple or for me, right? If I, if I'm a startup company and I know that there's somebody in India, right? That is going to be fantastic, but I need them here because this is a physical product or, uh, or whatever have you, right? Or if I have somebody from Bangladesh or, you know, Timbuktu, I, I don't care, right? Pick, pick a spot, right? You know, put, put your finger on the globe and just pick a spot. I don't care. I should have the ability to vet them, to bring them in here. We don't have that right now. We have some of it. But again, there's a limitation to the number of visas. There's a limitation to the time frame. There's a limitation to this. There's a limitation to that. It's very simple. The limitation that we need to have going forward is based off of your employment, right? Hey, you're no longer employed by XYZ company. Sorry, you must return. Or we just say, okay, we're going to be able to grant you temporary citizenship until you pass a citizenship test, right? We can talk about all the policies in the world, but we have to go from this broken system to having the conversation over what a new system looks like. In 21st century America and in 21st century world, what does an immigration system actually look like? Well, I, I don't know if we're I don't, I don't able to have that conversation because <clears throat> the MAGA forever types are interested in the wall, are interested in having fights that belong in 1950s America. And we're not interested in tackling the bigger questions, right? What are the magnets, right? We have we have a magnet in social security. We have a magnet in all of the welfare state things that people are abusing, by the way, when they come here illegally. We're allowing them to use our education system, spend $15,000 on their their child to educate them while they are contributing absolutely nothing, legally speaking, to our society. Are they paying taxes? No. So they're draining that. We can't trust Ron DeSantis to tell us the truth. He He's playing politics. The FDA is playing politics, plus using science and data, right? Right. I, I just, I am frustrated on all levels because what we are seeing in right-wing media and right-wing circles is the, the MAGA forevering of Ron DeSantis right now. That's really what we're seeing is everything Ron DeSantis does, everything he says, everything that he touches is godlike. And how many times do we have to tell you worship, worshiping false idols is against God? Ron DeSantis is a fallible human being, just like Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis doesn't know everything about everything. He's not right all the time, nor are we, by the way. Because we are also fallible human beings. But I suggest you critically think. And that's the point that we're trying to bring up here, because there is Ron DeSantis' claims. There is the FDA, and there's the truth. Where does it lie? 
And for me, there is a small sliver of what Ron DeSantis is saying that is true because of the information we pointed out out of my state of Illinois, right? In that there is a group of people who could really benefit from the full use of these drugs. But he doesn't make that point. He just makes the point of, well, the FDA did this willy-nilly. Did they? Did they? Did they really? And then you've got the FDA who has a history of playing politics with these things, right? Oh, we're going to prioritize certain places over other places. Wink, wink. All of your Republican states aren't getting your monoclonal antibodies when you need them, right? We saw that play out over, what, August and September of this year. Now, having said all of that, Pat, what do you do about this, right? What do you do when you are confronted with all of these things? Here's what you do. You find doctors that don't have to listen to the FDA. You you find doctors who are willing to treat patients as patients and do what's right for the patient. Because the FDA, while it has emergency use authorization, doesn't control the doctor's ability to prescribe medication as rightfully needed. It's why you and I can still get ivermectin, right? It is why you and I can get the protocols that we might need to protect us and to help us should we get COVID. So find doctors that you trust. Find doctors that take time to study, not just push paper. Find doctors that know you. That's really difficult these days. Very, very difficult. So that's my advice. That's what you should be doing. Find doctors that are willing to treat you as a patient, as a human being, and not as a number, not as a bunch of paper to push around, and as a billing mechanism. Do that and you'll be okay. Now, we have to go from the world of science and, and uh, well, apparently politics to just pure politics back. Because yesterday, we asked the question about what we're willing to do, right? And we asked these questions about what happens when the left defies, right? And we've seen it you know, throughout the country, right? Kathy Hochul was a great example, right? The The New York State Department of Education is now defying a New York Supreme Court order that tells them they cannot enforce mask mandates in schools. It must be a parental choice, right? If somebody wants to have their child wear a mask, go for it. If not, go for it. You have no right to do one or the other, to ban the use of masks or to require the use of masks inside a public school in the state of New York. Now, I present to you Fairfax County, Virginia, Pat, where... 
the governor of the state of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, uh-huh. Uh-huh. what did he do this past week, Pat? Um, well, I mean, he uh, made good on some of his uh, campaign promises. And one of which was to do what? Get rid of the oh, mask mandate. Mask mandate. Mm-hmm. Well, Fairfax County Schools suspended kids for not wearing a mask in school yesterday. Not just that, Pat. Not just did they give them an OSS, an out-of-school suspension. (gasps) But they treated the classroom and the uh, school building as if it was lockdown maximum security central oh did they know yep you couldn't enter the school unless um given permission by a an appointed teacher at the front door who would then unlock and open the door for you to get into the school. And if you bothered to show up as a student or parent, right, not wearing a mask, your information was taken down, you were given an out-of-school suspension, and you were sent home. Huh. And this was re- this was enforced by a school security officer. Well, first of all, <clears throat> find those kids free day off, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Second of all, find those parents and find anybody that's worth my salt in anything within Fairfax County. I am shutting down this entire school and you are not allowed to reopen until you respect individual rights. So in other words, mask or no mask. Like if kids if kids and parents decide they want to wear a mask, I, I would say let them. But um to justify that everyone, the, the order that, you know, there has to be a mask mandate. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. No. If you're going to pull this crap on my kids, I'm pulling them out. We're shutting this whole thing down. Now, lest you think you I am lying to you, until, until you, you lest, lest you think that uh, this is all insane and not true. <clears throat> this is from the Daily Wire, who has been doing investigative reporting on all of this stuff in Virginia for a very long time. Now, I present to you this first, these, I should say, first two paragraphs of the story. Fairfax County Public Schools made a show of defying Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin's order that schools respect parental rights on masking on Tuesday. With an assistant principal standing in front of the school to suspend students without masks and a public relations staffer who said the media was not allowed to watch the conflict between state and local governments play out. At one classroom exterior door, a teacher in a dark mask and a full-face plastic shield resembling Darth Vader as she peered through the glass and, after seeing a masked child up front, opened the door a crack to let them in. Providing muscle was a large security guard who inadvertently illustrated parents' concerns by removing his mask to lecture a parent because, quote, I can't speak with this thing, unquote. 
At another point, the security guard lashed out at a former school board member after his own mask caused his glasses to fog up to the point that he could not see who he was talking to. Um, <clears throat> I have a question on the uh, teacher that looked like Darth Vader. Did she sound like Darth Vader too? With the breathing and everything? Who Do you knows? know? No, no, I don't know, Pat. Dang. Okay. Y you're That's... Batman, so you probably should know. I, I probably should. You're right. By the way, should we title this uh, show Star Wars The Monoclonal Antibody Wars? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> or is that copyright infringement? Uh... And I don't think we want to get into that. Because uh, Disney will sue our ass. I don't know. We'll see. But with that having been said, Pat, um, what did we talk about yesterday, right? We talked about how states were defying courts. They were defying federal governments. And that's fine if your cause is right and righteous, right? Right. Because little civil disobedience is not something that I'm not against, right? Right. Okay. That's fine. That's dandy. This ain't that, though. Yeah, this ain't it. And it's not because uh, it's on a side that I disagree with, okay? Right. It's because th it's not something that the state is telling you you must do X, Y, Z. It's the state literally saying you can't do X, Y, Z. And if you would like for parents to be able to do this. Now, the other thing that I picked up on here is did you notice how it – they framed this as a state and local government conflict. No, they it ain't. Uh, correct. And this is where the right gets this wrong. It is not a state versus local conflict, local government, in so much as the school board is not technically local government. Right? Because here, here in Chicago, we don't have a school board. Right. It is local schools versus the state government. Their local school boards are a political entity for sure, but they are a separate entity than your local government is. It is right. a form of local government in a way, but it doesn't. So like for you and me, Pat, right? Other than the fact that your wife works at a school, right? Is a teacher, right? Right. Other than that. What the school board does or doesn't do does not directly affect me every single day, right? Correct. Therefore, it's not local government. Local government has to have an impact on your daily life, and it does, right? So the city of Chicago um, institutes a new tax on walking down the street. Okay, That affects me every single day, right? Right. Okay. That is local versus state government. This ain't it. That being said, Pat, I, I come, I come with this question: If the school boards are willing to do this kind of defiance, right, and willing to go this far in the fear mongering and insanity, right, they're willing to suspend your kids for daring to come to school without a mask on? If they're willing to hurt your child's educational opportunity to prove how great their fear-mongering and panic 
porn production is or how great their political might is. What are you doing sending your kids to those schools? And I come to this, and it's the same thing that we have harped on time and again. Fairfax County parents, get your kids' asses out of their classrooms. You, you want, here's the answer. Mass walkouts, mass sickouts, don't ever step foot in a Fairfax County school again. It is that simple. And don't give me, but, but this, but that, but this, but that. What is the number one thing as a parent? What is your number one job as a parent? Number one. To protect your child at all times. Number two is to make sure that your child is getting an education. And whether that comes from home or school or a combination or whatever, right? But your number one job is to protect your child. And what is happening in these schools is sick. It's wrong. It's disgusting. And it does hurt your child. How many times do we have to talk about the studies of younger and younger drug overdoses, alcohol abuse, depression, all of the things that have gone wrong? We're talking 10-year-olds who are ODing on fentanyl. We're talking about eight-year-olds who have become alcoholics. That's not normal. And it's because of what these schools and what the teachers' unions are doing for their own political gain. So, again, I can't emphasize this enough. If those are the two biggest jobs that you have as a parent, it doesn't matter what else is going on in your life. You stop it. You pick up what you need to do for your child. And yes, you know, getting them, you know, getting money to be able to to put food on the table and all that is important. But your first job is to protect the child and then to make sure that they are getting a quality education as much as you possibly can. So if those first two things are being violated, you must find a way to do it for yourself. And I am telling you right now, Pat, the biggest way to do that is to never put your child in their school again. And why does that matter? Because if there's no students to teach, there's no money coming in, teachers don't get paid, the political um, arm of the teachers union, well, they'll still get paid. But if there's nobody to teach, what do they do? Walk your asses out of their schools. And by the whom are they? That's what I would want to know. If these are people who are truly anti-Putin, truly anti-Putin, great. Come over here, fight with us. More importantly, drain his battery, if you will. But so many people, the Russian system has always been, whether it's been capitalistic, whether it's been uh, state-controlled, 
right, through communism and socialism, the Bolshevik Revolution, you know, all that, right? Whatever portion of history since the Industrial Revolution, the system in Russia has always been supportive of whatever government can make people rich, right? So what incentive do the rich people, the people who Putin would prop up financially, what incentive do they actually have to leave right now? What incentive? Other than some sort of moral principle. But again, that's assuming that there are people there who care about moral principle more than they care about the almighty dollar. I mean, and, and here's the here's the next question I would have with that: How many people would 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 be there for moral principle? You know, like is it going to be a majority or is it going to be something more like a fringe minority? Because if it's a minority, does it really do anything at all? No, and, and that's a fair enough point. Um, and and I get where they're going with this, right? Because we've seen a thousand demonstrators in Moscow, right? Um, more than thirteen hundred people detained nationwide right for saying no to war those are some really brave people given given you know putin's um thuggery within his own country right and um his ability to suddenly get you dead um randomly right um so i understand all of that that there are there are brave people but are, again to your point are there enough of them and uh, national reviews robert zubrin proposed um, in a piece entitled Drain Putin's Brain, arguing that the U.S. should, quote, make the smart move and take away the men and women Putin needs to win. The United States could, with a stroke of a pen, totally destroy the capacity of Russia to compete militarily or economically with us by offering a green card to any Russian with a technical degree. So apparently, Pat, your mind was so blown that <laughs> the entire room just went dark on you. It it, it did. It did. Um Part of apparently not having the greatest electric in this room, I guess, or what, um, because every now or every once in a great while, um, the breaker for this room will blow. That's because you're just just so sharp that, I, you know, it's because I'm powerful. That That's okay. why. Sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. But anyway, the, the whole point of this is that, you know, um, Robert Zubrin wants us to basically offer green cards to Russians with technical degrees who want to come to the United States. I don't know how many of them are going to make a difference. And, and secondly, if what the, the other thing that is missing from all of this, besides the piece of are these people actually incentivized to come here is this that's playing the long game, right? The Manhattan project wasn't an overnight success, right? This was years in the making. Are we suggesting that we're going to be in a hot war for years at this point? I mean, I, I hope not, but I guess that's possible. If that's the case, then this strategy works, right? But if not, it doesn't work. Here's why. Because for every single person that will move here and emigrate here and go to technical war, if you will, to Russia or with Russia, there's 10 people that will step up and do Putin's bidding because again right they have a they have things to gain by being putin's puppets technologically right it's why roman abramovich the owner of chelsea football club right 
He's Russian. He's an oligarch. And now look what's going on, right? They may take away his ownership. And then what happens, right? There's a lot of chaos going on. But he is a supportive individual of Putin. He has to be because his companies benefit from the Russian economic system of oligarchy. You, what you have to do is you have to find the people who won't benefit from the system in Russia, incentivize them to come here, make sure that they are the right individuals, and go from there. I guess. I guess my question is: Is can you find those individuals? You know, in, in enough time to make a difference. That's the point here, right? right? If you're going to fight this right. economic war, yes, it is a longer term situation. But you have to be able to to make it count now. And the time to have done this was five years ago if you're going to do that. Well, yeah. And I guess the next best time to do it would be exactly right now. Um, but are they going to do that? No. I, 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 I just don't see how they're going. Like, I don't see this administration being that smart to, to do something like that. Or, yeah. or rather caring enough to doing something like that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you 150%. Uh, but let's go away from Russia, per se, to the world of, well, um, the 2020 election. Let's go there. Okay. Because I feel like we're going back two years, but okay. Well, I mean, we've basically been going back two years forever on this show, right? I guess that's true. Uh, but let's go back to... The, November of 2020, Pat. Okay. Specifically November 3rd of 2020. Okay. What was that day? Uh, that was election day. Ah, yes. Yes. Uh -huh. the, uh, the, the first Tuesday of the election year, which is election day then. So, one of the areas in which a lot of conspiracy theories, lots of wonderment, lots of what the hell is the truth has happened has been the state of Arizona, right? And the, the theory of the fringe has been that um, it was stolen 100% by um, illegal means, right? They, they basically took all the dead people, mailed in their ballots, and um, away we went, and the election got stolen in Arizona, which would have made a difference in the election, right? Right. Um, specifically Maricopa County. And Maricopa County wanted us to know that uh, 25,000 um, ballots had to be, quote unquote, cured, right? Which is, we are not sure about the signatures that match up between what was handed to us as the ballot and what is on file, Right. What if I told you that an independent audit <clears throat> from the Arizona Senate, the state Senate, found not 25,000, but 200,000 ballots with mis mixed matched or mismatched signatures on them, Pat? Because um, that would invalidate the ballot, right? Not necessarily. It would have to be cured, meaning the person would have to show up. 
Or wow. there would have to be some other way to cure the ballot, right? Meaning they could take a look and um, find out, you know, the signature was done by the person who has power of attorney, right? Or the signature right. um, actually does match. Or the person comes forward to testify or there's an affidavit of testifying that this is who this is, right? So so here's the thing. So like, like I guess what I'm getting at is let's just say hypothetically that these are ballots are not valid, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's 200,000 ballots. I mean, is that enough to yes. drastically change the outcome in Arizona? You are correct. So, um, and then what would it take to actually have changed the outcome in Arizona? How many votes would it have taken? Do we so know that? So I'm not totally sure on that. Um, my, my, my point is it wouldn't take 200,000, though, right? Right, right. If every one of them. Right, right. Right. Now, so, according to just the news, Pat, hmm. of the 1.9, so almost 2 million early voting mail-in ballots or mail ballots that Maricopa County received and counted in the 2020 presidential election, wait for it, the county reported that 25,000 or 1.3% of those had signature mismatches that required curing. But of that 25,000, only 587 of those were confirmed mismatched signatures. So about 2.3% of the 25,000. So under Maricopa County election rules, a reviewer first compares the signature on an envelope with the signature on file for the voter, which takes about four to 30 seconds. If the signature does not appear to match the ballot is, or does not appear to match the ballot is cured, which takes three or more minutes now where I don't know if you've caught what they're doing in that province in, in Australia, but, as of, I believe, today, if you are an unvaccinated parent and your child is in the hospital, you, no, no, sorry, you can't visit your child. Ooh, that's not, that would not sit well with me. Nor me, nor any sane individual. Mm-hmm. How is that even possible? Because you've laid down and let your government there rule you with fear. And oh, by the way, uh, how's that gun buyback program working for you? Not so well. Okay. I'm not advocating violence in any way, shape, or form. But a government that has a placated populace and one that has no ability to rise up to them in any real way fears nothing. So, brings up a quick question, Pat. Here in the United States, you know, in, in I guess... It's a trigger point for me because I live in a, in an area that is much less free than the area you live in, Pat, right? Or right. <coughs> large swaths of this country, actually. Mm-hmm. But for places like Chicago, like New York, like LA, San Francisco, Austin, you know, you name name a uh, a woke of Wokistan world, right? Right. Name a name a place like that, right? How do we end this crap? And and let's be honest, because there are federal mandates in place still. How do we end it? What things could we possibly do here in the United States? Because we are already seeing food shortages, right? The pain is being felt by you and I, right? We're seeing food shortages. We're we're seeing, you know, six, eight, ten month lead times to get a piece of furniture. You know, we're seeing um 
you know, six, eight, ten month lead times to get um, fridges for for building homes, right? Homes that normally would take six months to build are taking a year, a year and a half because of supply issues. Our government doesn't care. So my question to you, Pat, would be what exact exactly would you need to be doing to to hurt these individuals? To really make them feel the pain to change their way. Because I mean, I think that's 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 gonna be the only thing that does change it is to make our own government feel that pain, right? To feel the pain of people over the over the last two years. Um, I, I don't know that there's gonna be another way around it. And, and, and I want to be real clear here. The answer is not protest every day. Right. Because right. we've seen that all across Europe and it hasn't amounted to a hill of beans. Correct. And, and so I, I I wonder what that would look like. And I threw out this idea to you last night, and, and I'm I'm curious to what your thoughts are on this. And that is it's not necessarily just a protest. It's it's something deeper than that. I at least I think. Because if you were to organize a march, and I would I would venture to say it would probably have to take at least several hundred thousand to possibly a few million people to do it to do this. You march on something like the White House and you surround it. No violence, and I want to be very clear on this, no violence. No, no threats of violence, none of that. But you do something like that around the White House. What kind of message does that send when it's something that large? Mm-hmm. And and so I, I, I don't – I mean because I agree with you. It has to be more than just a protest. Protests aren't necessarily going to do anything. Yeah, but I mean Turning Point USA had a protest here in Chicago la- mm-hmm. last weekend. Yeah, I didn't attend on purpose. It didn't do squat. Right. It, but but here's the thing: I'm I'm talking about something that would make the civil rights movement of uh, the 1960s when when Martin Luther King spoke in D.C. You know, the "I Have a Dream" speech. I'm talking about something that would make that look tiny. Maybe, but again, protestation hasn't worked. I mean, we've seen literally millions of people out in the streets and all over Europe, and it doesn't matter. And right. honestly, I think what, what it does is what are the things that the government likes the most, right? And it's your mm. tax dollars. So how do you hurt that the most? Unfortunately, here's here's the reality. You're going to have to make other people, other people in Chicago, in New York, in L.A. feel pain. And with that, Pat, your final thought. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And what's going on in the NFL super sucks. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.